We are the Bride Radio as the voice of the true Bride of Christ. bride of Christ to stand up and take your place in the army in the kingdom we recognize our battle is not with flesh and blood but with the principalities and the powers of the air we are a ministry of prayer and we highlight what God is doing through other ministries and ministers across the globe we provide a platform for ministers and a place for the bride to come together and rally around each other, hold up each other's arms, and pray for one another. WATV Radio celebrates the various missions that God has called each one of us to in this army, so we desire to promote and enhance the bride as a whole. Go, bride! Our soon-coming king awaits. Welcome to News Today with Dr. June Knight as your host on WITB. This is a WATB disclaimer. Good afternoon, Brad. Good afternoon. This is your White House correspondent, Dr. June Knight, coming to you today from Winchester, Tennessee. So listen here, Brad. Yesterday, I revealed on the news broadcast about President Trump writing that nasty letter about Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks. Well, it has become a firestorm. Apparently, there was an interview this weekend on CNN with Dr. Burks and Dr. Fauci, and it caused uh, President Trump had to strike back. So that was the reason of that email. But let's check out what they're saying here on businessinsider.com. Let me make this a little bit bigger for you. Former president attempts to jab Fauci and Burks as U.S. vaccinations climb to over 95 million. Trump attacked Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks after their CNN interviews. Fauci now works under Biden and played a key role in the current progress to help curb the virus. Now, as you know, Brad, I've been uh, informing you that President Trump has demanded that he gets the credit for these vaccines. This is why we started the campaign, um, stay pure, stay holy, and say no to Trump's V because he wants the credit for it, he can have the credit, because the church, the true church, rejects it. So now there's a war that they are trying to make it appear that he is fighting against the big dogs. Okay, let's continue here. Former President Donald Trump took jabs at Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, two members of the COVID-19 task force, after they spoke candidly about his administration's response to the pandemic in a CNN special on Sunday. 
Based on their interviews, I felt it was time to speak up about Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks, two self-promoters trying to reinvent history to cover for their bad instincts and faulty recommendations, which I fortunately almost always overturned, Trump said in a statement Monday. They had bad policy decisions that would have left our country open to China and others, closed to reopening our economy and years away from an approved vaccine, putting millions of lives at risk. Trump's statement comes as Fauci remains a key part of President Joe Biden's COVID-19 response team and as more than 95 million Americans have already received at least one dose of the vaccine. Over 52.6 million have been fully vaccinated. Can you believe that, Brian? Okay, now, okay, this is uh, some of what President Biden said yesterday when he spoke about the vaccines. He bragged about how he is actually on the way to getting 200 million. His goal was just to get 100 million uh, vaccines out before his 100 days now it's been increased to double that to 200 million. Let's listen a little bit to President Biden. And notice uh, Vice President is in the room with him. All been incredible. Healthcare providers, community leaders from all walks of life. So many volunteers of all ages and backgrounds stepped up as well. My fellow Americans, look at what we have done in the past 10 weeks. No other country has come close. One. 100 million shots in less than 60 days. And now we're moving to the next 100 million shots in just 40 days. You heard me say many times before, our progress in vaccination is a stunning example that there is nothing, nothing this country cannot do if we put our minds to it and we do it together. But as I've also said, I will always give you it straight, straight from the shoulder. Our work is far from over. The war against COVID-19 is far from won. This is deadly serious. We share the sentiment of Dr. Walensky, the head of the Center for Disease Control and, and Prevention. The CDC Now, Brad, are you noticing that he has a purple suit on? Now, he is actually talking the same type of language that President Trump does when he is talking about how everybody, we can accomplish so much together etc. But I have some shocking news for you today, Brad. I have some shocking news. We have a development that has never been done in our country before by this man, by his administration, President Biden. Look at this. It is now the Biden-Harris administration. Not just the Biden administration. He has made Harris co-equal. This is why he has continued to say President Harris. So to me, this is further proof that we are no longer under the original Constitution. I fully believe that our country is gone. 
there is no way legally you can ever back up having a vice president on the same level as a president. This is, in my opinion, this is why she has had more appointments than he did because they are elevating her to the presidential status. Yes. Biden Harris presidency. This has never been done in the history of the United States. Yes. Shocking beyond measure what this means to us as a country. Let me show you on the website here. This is on the government web website, whitehouse.gov. This is your new administration right here. Biden-Harris. So according to this, we officially have a woman president. Thousands of people work in the West Wing, the East Wing, the Cabinet, and the Executive Office of the President. Now, remember, I told you that under President Trump, he has redesigned the logos as one. Remember, I did the broadcast where I showed you all of the logos that are matching now. See, I also think, see, there's the logo I was showing you where they have made everything as one. Is this new logo right here? The Biden-Harris administration. Welcome to the new America. I can hear on one side where they would try to say, well, that's because, you know, we're really trying to elevate women. You know, they're really into this equity push. They're really into this equity push. So they could use that as an excuse as to why they're doing this. Uh, But this just happened this month in the month of March is when I first started noticing something is weird here because why is it not just the Biden administration? So we are in for a journey, bride. Now, when you uh, scroll down here, you know, it's funny to me that the mainstream media is not blowing this up. Don't you think this? Isn't this weird to you why they're not blowing this up? Let's see here. Here's one, the Guardian, that says the Biden administration. Let's see what they say here.
I guess that's just different articles. Okay, let's go back here. See, isn't that odd? That nobody is blowing this up. And they're... Uh, <laughs> this is the most unusual thing that's ever happened, I think, as far as leadership within the United States. So now let's type in Biden... Harris administration. Okay, here's one Fox News. This is just two days ago. Okay. White House lists Biden Harris administration on official website. Neither of the previous two administrations listed both the president and vice president on their main website or social media channels. All right, let's see what they say here. Well, I guess my internet is slow, but the White House is breaking with tradition, it says. Now list the Biden-Harris administration on the website rather than simply saying... The Biden administration. The move appears to have been one of several moves seemingly intended to elevate Vice President Kamala Harris's position within President Joe Biden's administration. Both Biden and Harris are also listed on the White House main Twitter page with the Biden, I mean, with the bio reading, Welcome to the Biden Harris White House. So let's check that out. Okay, let's go over here and check out Twitter. And let's go to White House. Okay, looky there. Welcome to the Biden-Harris White House. Wow. That is, let's see if they list a tweet about it. Well, they at least still have President Biden as the POTUS. That's good. <laughs> That's good. All right, let's see here. She is listed as the vice president. All right. Okay. I don't see anything about it so far. Well, I guess they're just going to make it soft, huh? Look at there, 200 million shots in the first 100 days. That is his goal. Hey, it really does, LJ. That is an excellent point. 
This shows you how the mainstream media is working in all of this. Because something this big, they should blow this up. This is like of epic proportions. Look at that. What the world? Okay. Well, let's go back here. Biden has flubbed more than once in referencing to his vice president as President Harris. Earlier this month, he misspoke in a speech offering updates on a vaccination progress in the U.S. and referring to his vice president as President Harris. When President Harris and I took, Biden said, before momentarily pausing, a virtual tour of a vaccination site in Arizona not long ago, one of the nurses on that tour injecting people giving bags each shot was like administering a dose of hope. The president has made such gaffes before. In December, he mistakenly referred to Harris as president-elect. Also during a speech on COVID-19 vaccines, I took it to instill public confidence in the vaccine. President-elect Harris took hers today for the same reason Biden said. The comments ignited speculation on cognitive decline from the right following a campaign where Biden repeatedly appears tongue-tied. So, I think they're up to something, don't you, Brad? Okay, let's continue here. Refugees, this is according, I actually found this article on the World Economic Forum because I had that uh, little press conference with them this morning. Uh, this was from their website, though. It's called The Conversation, and it says, Refugees are at risk from dystopian smart border technology. So I saw this and I thought, I wonder, because I know President Trump, when he talked about what he was doing at the border when he built the wall, that he talked about how precise. I knew back then that meant that he was installing AI at the border. So let's check this out here. Now, this is dated uh, December 8th of 2020. New, okay, let's make this a little bigger for you. New technologies deployed on borders for migration management and border security under the umbrella of smart border solutions are ignoring the fundamental human rights of migrants. Unmanned aerial vehicles, drones, for example, are often deployed in the surveillance of refugees in the U.S. and the EU. Big data analytics are being used to monitor migrants approaching the border. So the press conference that I was a part of this morning, they're talking about how they are going to use drones uh, to deliver medicines into remote villages. And uh, they also talked about how we are going to see, we're going to begin to see a lot more drones now, Brad. So I want to tell you and I want to inform you because drones kind of freak me out a little bit. And I also told you that those lights that I see on the side of the interstate, some of them look like drones on the top of the big poles that look like they can lift off and just take off after you. So I believe that you'll see through this report today that the police officers and military are declining the V. 
which means, okay, if until this thing gets forced and you've got all these different doctors, because I told y'all I interviewed that nurse that said that the medical industry, 60% are declining it. So we have got a problem because if you have uh, the police officers declining it, if you have, you know, your medical declining it, and then all you have is military to come in because they're forcing it on the military or whatever, uh, you're going to see a lot more drones and different machinery that's going to take their place. So um, I just want to warn you of that, Brad, that we're going to begin to see now that we have 5G, thanks to President Trump, now that we have 5G and we have the juice to be able to power all of this, plus the surveillance and all this, you will also see through the report today, the surveillance is increasing. Okay, so let's continue here. Artificial intelligence is an important component of migration management. For instance, the EU and the United States and Canada invest in AI algorithms to automate decisions on asylum and visa applications and refugee settlement. Meanwhile, the real-time data collected from migrants by various smart border and virtual wall solutions, such as satellites, drones, and sensors, are assessed by AI algorithms on the border. Okay, now, you have to know, Bride, that everything that is called smart is AI. You do realize this, right? That it is ran, it has AI uh, within it, okay? At the U.S.-Mexico border, for example, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency is using artificial intelligence, military drones with facial recognition technologies, thermal imaging, and fake cell phone towers to monitor migrants before they even reach the border. Now, I want to tell you this. I just received a text message this morning that said that this uh, missionary family in New Mexico is being forced by the government to take over their camp for these migrants coming over. They told them they are expecting 2,500 uh, migrants to come in their facility which means the government is taking over their facility, which means they're not going to be able to do their camp this summer, that they were so excited because they probably couldn't do it last summer. So we're going to, and then, okay, if you say, well, we have all of this AI on the border. Why are these people crossing over? Something is not right with this picture. And then the next question you have to ask yourself is, who are they letting over? And why are these people here? And, you know, how is all this happening? If we have artificial intelligence to stop this, you know, something is coming over. Okay, so according to this article, it says they can listen to conversations between migrants can you believe that, Brad? Them just walking in the desert like that. 
that they can listen to them. How can they listen that far away? This is telling you how AI technology is. We have no idea really, Brad, how bad this technology is that they have. Okay, uh, they can listen to conversations between migrants, try to identify them from their faces. Remember, Brad, I showed you on a broadcast before that they can identify you in a crowded room with a million people now. You riding through a red light, they can tell. Their technology is absolutely precise. Check out their social media accounts. What? You mean to tell me that AI can just scan your social media accounts just like that? Wow. And locate people trying to cross the border. Okay, so if we have this AI, how are these people getting across? Why are they? Who are these people? A new UN report has warned about the risk of so-called smart border technology on refugees in particular. These technologies are helping border agencies to stop and control the movement of migrants. Well, this explains how President Trump was able to get such a hold on it, remember? And now, as you remember from his letter about President Biden, where he says it's out of control. But you really have to wonder. Securities, migration, governance by treating migrants as criminals and ignore the fundamental rights of people to seek asylum. Furthermore, they collect all data without taking the consent of migrants, factors that in other circumstances would likely be criminal if deployed against citizens. The automated decision-making processes can exasperate pre-existing vulnerabilities by adding on risks such as bias, error, system failure, and theft of data all of which can risk in greater harm to migrants and their families. A rejected claim formed on an erroneous base can lead to persecution. Well, let me tell you this, Brad. Remember, I told you that with AI taking over, they do not care about your feelings. There is AI, this is why it says equity, that word equity, just think AI, because it doesn't care what color you are. It doesn't care how old you are. It doesn't care if you didn't sleep good last night or if you do not feel good. If you do not obey the rules, that's it. See what I mean? It's And that's what they're saying in this, like it's not able to uh, differentiate. Okay, so let's move forward. All right, this is according to Humans Are Free. I don't really know about this website. I'm a little suspicious, but uh, I know that this is true. So let's go ahead and read this. Okay, your post-COVID life will be controlled by track and trace apps funded by the Rockefeller and Clinton Foundations. The Rockefeller Foundation and the Clinton Foundation have developed a series of COVID apps which will tightly control your post-COVID life. I've already told you this, Brad. When you get everything from tested on, 
if you get tested or if you get the V, that's it. You are monitored forever and a day. So, which will tightly control your post-COVID life. The initiative is launched by a non-profit trust, Commons Project Foundation. Wait a minute. <gasps> is this not what was on my news broadcast yesterday? Do you remember me talking about this? And this was one of those that was a part of the World Economic Forum um, COVID pass deal. How many remembers that? This group was in there as part of the pass deal. Well, well, duh, because look here, which is part of the World Economic Forum. Okay, well, duh. The Commons Project includes three COVID apps, Common Health, COVID Check, and Common Pass. Together, they will collect, store, and monitor your health data based on which the apps will decide whether you are eligible to travel, study, go to the office, or whatever. The Commons Project is a nonprofit public trust established with support from the Rockefeller Foundation to build platforms and services which will tightly regulate your post-COVID life. The initiative is part of the World Economic Forum implementing the Great Reset Agenda. That is true, Brad, because we're going to get more into that today. Okay, so here we go. All right, now this is according to uh, a college, the Wharton uh, deal. Okay, so let's make this a little bit bigger. Wharton University of Pennsylvania, and this is their little knowledge base. It says, move into the middle. How to get more people to take the vaccine. Now, Brad, you know, this is one of the biggest things, one of their biggest battles, and it's called vaccine hesitancy. It's because people are refusing the vaccine. Right now, we know it's probably half the population right now uh, that's refusing. So this is an issue that they have got to work through uh, in order to get their agenda. Okay, so let's see here. There are people who accept vaccines and eagerly await their turn for inoculation. And there are people who will always refuse them. In between lies the movable middle, a term to describe those who need some nudging to get to yes. A new study led by experts from Wharton and Penn offered three specific interventions to persuade more people in the middle to get vaccinated. An important step in the fight against the pandemic. The final report from the COVID-19 Vaccination Uptake Behavioral Science Task Force is eminently practical, says Wharton Management Professor Seagal Barsay, who co-chaired the task force. All right, all right. It has literal practical science-based which you know they love this, suggestions about how to get the vaccine uptake higher. Barsaid said, you know, I just don't like that word, Brad. I just don't like that word uptake. 
because it reminds me uploading up loading an app that's all you need to say okay while the study focused on employees at long-term care facilities who were reluctant to take the vaccine can you imagine let's just pause here for a minute can you imagine if you're an elderly and you're in a nursing home and you're not allowed to be visited by your family and every time you talk to your family you're now monitored because now you cannot be alone where they can just lean over and whisper in your ear and ask you how they're treating you here. You are literally on the phone where they can hear you and you are being monitored by the television and whenever you're doing your lives. You never get to talk to your family. If they were horribly abusing you, you cannot tell them. I mean, I used to do nursing home ministry. I know how this works. I know how it is in there. Not all of them, but I'm just saying some cases. Okay, so on top of that, if you're in the nursing home where your family has had to sign a document saying whatever medicine needs to be given, they have permission to give it. And then let's say that you're in the nursing home and you have your mindset, I do not want this, and you have no choice. Wouldn't that be terrible? Can you imagine what these elderly have been through it's hard to even fathom without just wanting to get on your face and cry before God. But this is what's happening in our country right now. Okay, so let's continue. Uh, when it was first released in mid-December, the results are easily translated to other populations and other kinds of vaccines, Barsaid said. That's because it relies on behavioral science to influence change rather than information. Previous researchers found that simply presenting the facts, such as the data on vaccine safety and efficacy, usually isn't enough to get people off the fence. And that's the truth. You're, you're sitting and talking facts. Uh, it's not going to change anybody's mind. It is not. Of course, having good information is critical, and it's one of our levers in the model. However... It is not enough to have it alone. Barsade notes in the report, good information, a great website, and eye-catching infographic. These passive interventions were not as effective on their own. They need to be partnered with active psychosocial interventions as well. In other words, they're going to need live people. You know, they're going to need stories, and they're going to have to make it real to people type of deal. Okay, so here's their four recommendations. Empower vaccine acceptors as advocates. Just like T.D. Jakes. That's a good example. T.D. Jakes, one of the leading African-American preachers uh, who has partnered with Oprah, so he is high up on the food chain. And with Tyler Perry and all this, he's with the who's who of the who's who. Okay, now he has part, so he is an acceptor, okay? And uh, he is uh, an advocate, like Franklin Graham. Franklin Graham is one of them. Uh, he's an advocate. So in other words, get people uh, to be an advocate for this. Okay, the next thing, make it easy. President Biden just announced they are putting... It within 90, where the 90% of the people are, it's going to be within five minutes. 
So they're making it, they're putting it right in your neighborhood. You will not be able to run from it. Three, use social influence and boost motivation. Now, what providing silicone bracelets, stickers, and other wearable items that signal vaccination or another way to create subtle positives period. Also give like a ways to get the ones that get the V uh, to brag about it in front of others that are not. So kind of like a peer pressure. Okay, number four, build trust in vaccine safety. One of the biggest reasons for vaccine hesitancy is distrust. Duh. (laughs) Yeah, I would say so. Whether in the government, the workplace, or, or the vaccine itself, combating this distrust requires a combination of approaches. Transparency about vaccine development. See, this is where the Christians... This is where the Christians are having a cow because we of what is in it. Okay, this is this is the game changer right here. Just just in case the White House is watching me and the and the CDC, I'm just telling you on behalf of all humans, <laughs> that is the problem with why people are not taking it because of what's in it. Advancing vaccine literacy, they're doing that for sure. Partnering with physicians who serve Medicaid patients and emphasizing emphasizing the freedom to decline the vaccine. See, that is another reason why I think they are making it very clear that they're not going to force you right now. Because can you imagine, Brad, what if they turn around and told everybody, okay, if you don't get this by January, by June, if you don't get this shot by June, we are going to force you, so you better come and get it. <laughs> I mean, common sense, Brad. Can you imagine what society would do if they thought you was going to force this on them? You know, I mean, where they just come out and said it? No. It would be a right beyond right. And they know this. So, but let me let me just give you a few examples. We know that the tides can change overnight. If something, if some type of flag happens, if you know what I'm saying, it can change overnight. But I'm of the belief that they're not even going to tell you when they're going to do it. It'll be like in the middle of the night. You know what I'm saying? I don't think they're going to warn society. I really don't. Okay, so let's continue. All right, let's go on to the next thing here. This is an, most of these, Brian, I actually got off the World Economic Forum website. So this is like the legit of the legit sources. I'm very picky about my sources that I give you, Okay. Uh, this one is from sciencemag.org. Okay, and let's see here. Vaccine passports. Hmm. As countries grow eager to reignite their economies and people increasingly yearn for mobility and normalcy in life, pressure is mounting for some form of COVID-19 health status certificate that would support these desires. There has already been an explosion of COVID-19 passport initiatives for domestic use and international travel. 
but scientific, legal, and ethical concerns abound with such documentation. Given the high stakes, but what is the path forward? From doctors' examinations to ship inspections, clean bills of health have secured passage through centuries of human plagues. Today's best-known health passport is the International Certificate of Vaccination or Prophylaxis created by the World Health Organization. World Health Organization Card has certified vaccinations for chlora, plague, and typhoid, among other infections. There is certainly precedent for COVID-19 vaccination passports certifying that the holder can travel, study, play, and work without compromising personal or public health. Okay, a COVID-19 passport should be scientifically valid. Passport holders must be protected from illness so that they can carry out the activities for which the passport has been issued and to avoid burdening health services. A passport would ideally certify that the holders are not and cannot become a source of infections for others. So this is the question I have about that. How can you say that just because you have a passport that you are 100% guaranteed not to get another, uh, not to get another uh, plague? You cannot say that. We, I've, you'll see today, I've already got reports where people that have had it still got it. So how are you going to say just because you have a, a passport that you're, you're, you're more protected than I am? Do you see what I'm saying? Vaccines have high efficacy in preventing symptomatic COVID-19, and there is growing evidence that they can prevent transmission too. What the world? No vaccine is perfect, right? And it remains to be determined whether vaccines meet minimum require requirements for preventing infection and illness. Right there tells you I would never take one because of that sentence right there. Look at that. No vaccine is perfect. And, and, look, it remains to be determined, which means what is out there right there is right there right now is nothing but a test. This that's going on out there right now is nothing but a test. It is a trial. It's not even approved by the FDA. It says right here, it remains to be determined whether vaccines meet minimum requirements. The minimum one. For preventing infection and illness, the duration of protection conferred by vaccines should be tied to passport expiry dates, perhaps with options to revoke passports if new coronavirus variants comprise efficacy. See, this is what I was trying to tell you, Brad, because they are telling you, look, all you have to do is get these two shots and you'll be forever okay. No, you are in for a punching bag. You are in forever. They will be giving you, um, what do they call those? Kind of like we have with our upgrades. Boosters. 
you will be getting boosters forever in the day. And like they're saying right here, okay. If a new variant, if a new variant comes out, are they going to be saying that they're going to have to give you another one? This is what we're trying to say. These passports should also be judged for their comparative advantage. They may be preferable to viral RNA and antigen tests, which aim to certify that individuals are temporarily free of infection and to antibody tests, which do not uh, guarantee immunity to infection or disease. Bam! Right there is the proof. Bam. It all is saying is right now you are. That's all it's saying right now. So the vaccination certificate should be portable, affordable, and linked safely and securely to the identity of the holder. Yes. Ideally, it will be internationally standardized with verifiable credentials and based on interoperable technologies. Uh-huh. What is interoperable, Brad? What is it inside of you technologies? I've already showed you on the Moderna website where it's an app. It's an actual app that they're putting in there. It's like a, it's like a, they're building a computer system inside of you. Internet of things. Internet of bodies, Internet of DNA. Forgery and personal data security are dominant concerns, see? But such problems are routinely solved for financial and other sensitive transactions, which we know it will involve transactions financially in the near future. Right, it's all coming around the corner. Many issues surround the fair use of vaccination passports. The widely held view is that documents must avoid discrimination and inequality. Ideally, a passport would be exclusive only with respect to its primary purpose, which is to protect the health of individuals and others with whom they come in contact. But such exclusions inevitably raise barriers elsewhere, some such as restrictions or non-essential leisure activities should be relatively easy to manage. The greatest risk is that people for whom vaccination is unacceptable, untested, inaccessible, or impossible are denied access to essential goods and services. Uh-huh. Let's read that again. The greatest risk is that people for whom vaccination is unacceptable, the, the anti-vax people, untested, inaccessible, or impossible are denied access to essential goods and services. This is telling you, Brad, this is coming. Just like the broadcast I showed you yesterday, this is the buy and sell. This is it. This is it on a stick. This is it. How much more proof can I give you people? 
This could happen where there is vaccine hesitancy. Uh-huh. That's every anti-vaxxer. That is what that is. Or refusal among certain ethnic minorities. See, this is what is up with the black people. A lot of them are refusing because they feel like it's a plot against them. They feel like, uh-huh, we know you're after us. We're not touching that. I actually saw that video of that woman in Texas. The one that was telling everybody, you know, about the, uh, you know, the ice storm when it came. Uh, she was telling everybody, oh, you people. <laughs> she was going off about it. She was like, we know why you're trying to come after us. We're not stupid. <laughs> You know, but uh, where there are no data on vaccine efficacy for people at risk, such as children and pregnant women, where migrants are undocumented and reachable, where passports are exclusively digital, barring people without smartphones, and where people are not yet eligible for vaccination. These examples signal the need for alternatives and exemptions. Exactly, Lisa. That's right. I believe, like Lisa's saying, it's where the patch is coming in. Uh huh. Also, remember I told you about that deal I was in this morning with the drones. They're going to be delivering it to people with drones. They're going to make sure these people, everyone across the world, will have one as their go. Okay, let's continue here. All right, what is this one? Okay, the Pew Research Center. This is more from the World Economic Forum. I find these actually in their strategic intelligence, of which I'm a member. So here we go. All right. Ten facts about Americans and the coronavirus vaccine. This is dated March the 23rd. All right, so here's some facts that they're saying about us globally. Let's see here. President Joe Biden has urged state governments to make every adult in the United States eligible for a coronavirus vaccine by May the 1st, in the, which he just announced is actually the 15th. In hopes of getting the, no, the nation closer to normal by the July 4th holiday. And you notice, Brian, I'm going to tell you, that is what he said in that press conference we listened to a minute ago, closer to normal. Not that July 4th is the normal date, because remember last night, I told you they said it's actually going to be, they're going to stay around Christmas. By the 4th of July holiday, the pace of inoculations in the United States has accelerated in recent weeks as states have made vaccines available to larger portions of their populations. At the same time, not all Americans plan to get a shot even after they become eligible. <clears throat> As the U.S. vaccination campaign ramps up, here are key facts about Americans' views about the coronavirus vaccines based on surveys by the Pew Research Center over the course of the pandemic. This analysis will be updated as new survey becomes available. So here we go. Number one. Around 7 in 10 U.S. adults, 69%, said in mid-February that they would definitely or probably get the vaccine, including 19% who said they're already received at least one dose. Now, how many believe that? 
Do you believe that by mid-February that it was 70% of the population? They said, oh, yes, I'll just run and take it. <laughs> I don't believe it's 70%, but I didn't take the poll, so I don't know. All right, so here we go. Number two, Americans age 65 and older are more likely than younger people to say they would get a vaccine and far more likely to say they're already received at least one dose by mid-February. That, I would have to say, is probably true. Because a lot of the elderly, I have talked to many of you about your parents that are not listening to you and they're going on and doing it. The reason is, is because in their minds, they think you don't understand them because you don't have to have the doctor. They live by their doctors. They live by their medicine. So they cannot see a world without that. So... Uh, we have to have a lot of compassion for our elderly because they are conditioned in this way. You know, like I want to tell you, my mom, you know, my mom passed away back in 2017 in January. And when she was living, she was very sick the last 10 years of her life. She lived to go see her doctor. She loved her doctor. She would go and just crack up with him and, you know, just laugh whenever I would go with her. I mean, they have relationships with their doctors. And you you just, I don't know, Bride, you just have to, they have been trained in this pre-trib belief that they can do anything as long as they're still here. I'm telling you, this is in their mind. We haven't left yet, so it must be okay. And this is a lot of people as well. So this is why they listen to you and they think you're crazy because the rapture's not happened yet. I'm talking about the majority of Christians out there. They have no idea the diabolical situation that's going on right now. Okay, so let's continue here. Number three. Black Americans have consistently been less likely than other racial or ethnic groups to say they get a coronavirus vaccine or already have received at least one dose, but majority still plan to do so. How do y'all like uh, the way that this Pew research is so very favorable at all times? <laughs> Can y'all hear like right here, but a majority still plan so. You know, instead of saying the majority of black people do not want it. I'm just telling you right now, you know. Okay, let's go to number four. Among religious groups, uh-oh, uh-oh, atheists are the most likely to say they would get a vaccine. Well, duh, are already received one dose. While white evangelical Protestants, looky here, are the least likely I have got to save this because I am preparing a speech Friday night for this conference that is on. It's going to be off the chain. Okay, I have got to save that. Okay. Let me save that website because this, I'm telling you, Brian, this is why President Trump gravitated to the evangelicals, because who else, who else 
would be against him closing the deal with Israel. But the Christians, the white evangelicals, because of the biblical prophecy of him uh, doing a peace deal between Israel and giving up their land. So he brought them in to close the deal. And not only that, with the vaccine, he knew what was coming. Why else would Obama sign a uh, executive order a month before President Trump took over to prepare for uh, a pandemic? You tell me why. Because they're all working together. Okay, so President Trump, remember when he was building his Trump Tower, what did he do? He pulled together the... um, this woman that does this some type of religious ritual for um, Asians. I forgot what they call it, but it's some type of occultic thing they do where they, they gather spirits. And so he designed the Trump tower, which this will all be released Friday night, but he designed the Trump tower to attract those spirits so he could sell the deal. Anything to the to get a deal, he did the book, the um, art of a deal. So that's what he did with the white evangelicals. He pulled us in to close this deal, and he got his deal. Both of them. So let's look at that again. Among religious groups. Atheists are the most likely to say they would get a vaccine or already received one dose, while white evangelical Protestants are the least likely. Nine in ten atheists said in February that they would definitely or probably get a vaccine or had already received one. Around eight in ten agnostics, 80 percent and 77 percent of Catholics. Yeah, which is why President Biden is really working with the Catholics right now. The share was considerably smaller among black Protestants, 64%, and especially the white evangelicals, 54%. There it is, Feng Shu. Ever how you say it? Yes, that's it. Thank you, sis. Lisa, you are hot on it today, woman. Okay, slightly under half of the white evangelicals, 45%, said they would definitely or probably not get a vaccine to prevent. That's right. Why is that, Brad? Because we believe in healing. Well, not only that, because of what's in it, but religious affiliation often correlates with party affiliation. Oh, wait a minute. You mean why he decided to jump on the Republican bandwagon, even though he was Democrat, and the fact that after he got in, he corrupted the party with the Democrats? Yes. But even among Republicans, white evangelical Protestants stand out as less inclined to get the vaccine. Beliefs about the role of the community health are strongly tied to intent to get a vaccine, including among religious groups. On balance, white evangelical Protestants are less inclined than people in other religious groups 
to think that community health effects should have a lot of sway in an individual's decision to get a COVID vaccine. More in this group say community health concerns should have only a little role or no role at all in individual decisions by getting vaccine. Oh, could I preach on this one? I put it in my book, Brian. I've got to show you. I have done two years of research on this. Look, let me show you this. This little book right here, these four books that I released last year, The American Quad, let me show you something. On this book, The American Expose, okay? This book right here, I talk about that. Yes, I do. I talk about it and I even prove my case in here uh, about all of that. So I encourage you, Brad, to uh, check this out. You need to read these books. I'm telling you because it is telling you what is going on. All right, so let's go back here. Because in this role of this universalist Jesus that we're battling, this is what this is. The universalist Jesus wants us to be everything horizontal. It wants us to be everything universal, everything where you consider the common good of everybody around you. Do away with your individual relationship with Jesus. Do away with your individual relationship with God. How dare you think about yourself? You are selfish. You must love your neighbor the way that they are twisting of loving the neighbor. But see, the Bible says, which is why they don't like Jesus, because he says, if you love your children more than me, if you love your spouse more than me, your car, your house, anything, your job, more than me, you're not worthy of the kingdom, which means it is an individual single relationship between you and Jesus. So we cannot cross that barrier. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can you have to consider your relationship because you are the only one that can get you to heaven is your choices, not your mama, your granny, nobody. But this is what they don't like because you are messing up their utopia. You are superior. This is what I'm trying to tell you about the white superiority. They think because you are not loving your neighbor the way they describe that you should love your neighbor, which is like what you're talking about, about not owning your own land, like what I, the example I gave you the other day about Florida. How they went to this man's land and said, hey, you know, since your cows are pooping and they're they're smelling up my house, okay, I'm going to have to come and help you. And we kind of own this land together because everything is about the common good. So this is coming in the very near future. And this is why we will be criminals because we will not be a part of the common agenda the circular economy that I keep warning you about. The circular economy is where everything all flows in a circle. Everybody's together in this world. We're all as one. Okay. Let's continue. Number five. Democrats are more likely than Republicans to say they would get a coronavirus vaccine or already have. Duh. 
the Democrats are liberal. They don't care. <laughs> I mean, they support abortion. So what else do you think they would do? So Democrats are more likely than Republicans to say they would get a coronavirus vaccine or already have. And the gap between the parties has grown wider. Wonder why, Mr. Trump? Wonder why? He has divided that. He's divided churches. He's divided families. He's divided everything. He has divided our country, which a lot of the church, the so-called church, is behind him saying he's the chaos candidate. He's meant to do that. Oh, yeah, God really endorses slicing and dicing people with their mouth. Yeah. No. When we're reading the Bible... In Isaiah, this morning, we studied this again about God's pattern of judgment. And he talks about having a prideful king. God does not change. All right, let's continue. Let's go to number six. Public intent to get a coronavirus vaccine is linked with confidence in the vaccine research and development process, among other factors. Seven. Concerns about side effects and the speed of the research and development process top the list of reasons cited by those who plan not to get the vaccine. All right, let's move forward here. Look at this, Brad. I got this also from the World Economic Forum. It's called The Next City. If you want to check this out, you can see where everything's going. Go to nextcity.org. Now, they have a bunch of books that they want you to download that will tell you all about this Sustainable Developmental Goals agenda. I just wanted you to know that this existed because look over here. They have everything. The library, a newsletter, give you all the uh, cultures. And you know what, Brad? Look here. Does this not look like the Seven Mountain Mandate? Look here. Yeah. They want to conquer all the mountains. All right, let's move over to the Times of Israel. Okay, Kamala Harris's husband is to speak at the LGBT Cedar. Doug Imhoff, the first, second Jewish gentleman, will attend National Rainbow Cedar. Doug Imhoff, husband to U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris, will serve as guest speaker at this year's National Rainbow Cedar. The event, a virtual one, strives to celebrate Passover through an LGBTQ lens. Can you believe this? I don't believe that God will sit back idly on our country with all this going on. The Cedars theme is renewal and resistance, a journey towards liberation. It will include a specially commissioned Haggadah coupling the story of Passover with the history of the LGBTQ movement, focusing on the progress it's made in the 13 years since. Yeah, let's just talk about how President Trump has helped you greatly over the past few years. Imhoff, alongside being the first ever second gentleman of the United States, is also the first Jewish spouse of a vice president. 
No Jews have been elected to the first or second highest office in the United States. Though Donald Trump's daughter, Ivanka Trump, who converted before marrying Jared, made history as the first Jewish member of a first family, which that is to be contested because some say that President Trump is Jewish. I don't know, or do I know? Elod Strollmaker, okay, join us for the Virtual National Rainbow Cedar, hosted by HRC, Israel in USA. Something Bet Mish known in Israel as the holiday of spring and, fever and freedom. This Passover celebration reflects the LGBTQ community's journey to equality and liberation. Looky there. What do you know? And sponsored by the UN. Well, what do you know? Well, just to let all of you know, our country, even in President Trump's administration, is on the LGBTI board at the UN. So we cannot expect anything less when we have been on there uh, pushing this agenda. Okay, so let's continue here. Remember, President Trump was also the first one to hire an openly LGBTQ person in his cabinet, who also he sent across the world to um, change their view on LGBT. So he was very much a part of this big agenda here. On the campaign trail with Harris, Imroff gained his own sizable social media following. Yeah. Now, isn't that funny, Brian, that they are putting him uh, in the front? Remember, I told you it looks that way because I have been covering a lot of what he's doing because he is, is doing things. Dear Kamala Harris, I love you. I believe in you, and I'm so proud of you. The whole country is going to see what I get to see every day. You are amazing. He tweeted that in 2019. All right. Okay, so let's continue here. All right, this is according to Daily Wire. California bill seeks to ban police officers who have expressed religious or conservative views. What is this? Dated March the 17th. A new bill introduced in the California State Assembly. Oh, man. Look at that. I guess I'll just have to read the top block. Boy, they've changed her look, haven't they? All right, so we'll just have to read the top here. A new bill introduced in the California State Assembly seeks to root out police officers who have made public comments supporting religious or conservative views. The Federalist reported that the bill purports to simply remove officers who have engaged in hate speech. Can you believe this? Or are affiliated with a hate group. So let's check it. Let's check this out. Okay, the Federalist in California State Assembly. The Federalist California State Assembly hate speech. All right, let's see what they say here. 
There it is. That's the Federalist.com. All right, let's check this out. Okay, let's make this a little bigger. This is a division of the Federalist Media, okay? Wow, look at them kneeling. Isn't that awesome? Okay, so this is dated March the 16th. A new bill introduced by California State Assembly member Ash Calra in San Jose would prohibit police officers from serving if they have used arbitrarily defined hate speech or are affiliated with a hate group. The bill known as the California Law Enforcement Accountability Reform Act, CLEAR, claims to combat the infiltration of extremists in our law enforcement agencies and would mandate a background check for all officers who have exchanged racist or homophobic messages. I declare this is coming. We all know what happens in California is coming to the rest of the state. So can you imagine how they're going to see if they probably already have. Calra claims that AB 655 is necessary to prevent the apparent cooperation, participation, and support of some law enforcement in the January 6th Capitol breach. The bill defines hate speech as advocating or supporting the denial or constitutional rights of the genocide of or the violence towards any group of persons based on race, ethnicity, nationality, religion, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, or disability. Pacific Justice Institute senior staff attorney Matthew McReynolds said this broad and purposefully arbitrary definition could give, let's see here, could give way for Christians and conservatives to be classified as hateful. Sorry, bro, I keep getting a call. Hateful, biased on the premise of rejecting abortion or supporting Proposition 8 in California, a same-sex amendment that passed in 2000. Can you believe this? I see this coming, don't you, Brad? All right. McReynolds also questioned how this would affect those of the Muslim faith. Since many religious mosques and followers have taken a stance against homosexuality. All right, so... Well, we know that's definitely coming, Brad. So let's move forward from here. All right, let's move forward here. All right, looky here. Uh, 12 attorney generals. I showed you this the other day, but I want to show you again, Brad. Look at this. Twelve attorney generals call on Facebook and Twitter to remove all anti-vaxxers from their sites. A coalition of state attorney generals on Wednesday called on Facebook and Twitter to enforce their community guidelines and rid their services of anti-vax information. Misinformation. The coalition highlights that just 12 accounts and their associated organizations are responsible for 65% of the public 
anti-vaccine content on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, so let's move on to the next deal. Okay, the future is now, according to this website, which is lse.ac.uk. This is over in the United Kingdom. Faith-based responses to the climate crisis. Central to the work of the LSC Faith Center is the understanding that religious faith is not a compartmentalized aspect of the individual's life, but instead informs a worldwide a worldview that continually shapes a person's behavior and actions. As responding to climate change assumed unprecedented global urgency in 2019, it seemed timely to acknowledge and explore how religious actors can play their part in mobilizing climate action. Who are these religious actors? How many ministers have we seen going towards climate change? We're seeing them. We're seeing the change of uh, them turning towards the UN and all of this. So I just wanted you to know that they are addressing how to uh, pull the church in on this. Okay, this is according to NBC Los Angeles. LAUSD to launch daily pass health check system. And here's how it works. The daily pass system generates a unique QR code for each student and staff member. That code authorizes entry into a specific LAUSD location for that day only. Published on February the 22nd. Uh, Heather, I do talk about the Florida guy. It's in this broadcast, so we'll hear it in a minute. Okay, here we go. Endured two painful losses, and a California law may have made it possible. This started with the beating and robbery of an immigrant couple and the loss of a prized watch. That watch ended up at a pawn shop in Los Angeles, and at first, the pawn shop demanded cash before they would return the stolen watch. Investigative reporter Eric Lennon. Well, that has nothing to do with this, so let's continue. All right. The Los Angeles Unified School District announced Monday. Let me make this a little bigger. The launch of Daily Pass, the first comprehensive system in the nation that coordinates health checks, COVID-19 tests, and vaccinations in one online tool. In a statement released Monday morning, the district called Daily Pass a critical component of Los Angeles' unified safe steps to save schools reopening plan. Daily Pass was developed with support from Microsoft and can be accessed from any mobile phone, tablet, or computer, the district said. Daily Pass generates a unique QR code for each student and staff member, and that code authorizes entry to a specific LAUSD location for that day only, as long as the individual receives a negative test for COVID, shows no symptoms, and has a temperature under 100 degrees, the district said. Upon the individual's arrival to a campus, their QR code is scanned by a district.
school site leader who takes the individual's temperature. <clears throat> Let's see what they say here. Well, what makes Lindora different is it does actually work. Lindora is ketogenic, is scientific. All right, here we go. The threshold to allow elementary school students to go back to school once schools get their safety plans approved. As NBC4's Patrick Healy reports, nearly 200 of them have already submitted those plans, and many are now moving quickly to seize this long-awaited opportunity. Best position to take advantage of the new green light for expanding in-person learning in L.A. County are those schools that earlier welcome back to TK through second grade. Also going to unified plans Friday as orientation day for third graders whose families opt in. Superintendent Melissa Moore told us in-classroom lessons for them will begin next month. Look at it's that. a real lifeline for our students to think that they can return to school, um, be reunited with their classmates, and for some of them, it'll be meeting the teacher in person for the first time. El Segundo schools and hundreds of others in L.A. County have already submitted required safety plans, including spraying that stuff in there and testing. In another week, oh. Superintendent Moore said the El Segundo district plans to add grades four and five and eventually middle school sixth grade. Our philosophy has been anybody who can uh, access and have the opportunity to return, we need to orchestrate that and make it happen for our students. As we first reported last night, credit for this opportunity to reopen all lower grades goes to the recent steep decline in COVID spread in L.A. County, now below the threshold of 25 cases per 100,000. But this does not mean schools must reopen. And the UTLA Teachers Union for the county's law. Brian, can you imagine? I'm telling you, I feel for these teachers. First of all, I don't know how these teachers can breathe having that mask on for eight hours. Anybody for that case. Also, I don't know how they're going to keep the mask on children. Do you? Oh, Sybil, that is sad. All right, let's go to the next deal. Someone sent this to me. It says, oh, he is confirming what I said yesterday. Biden administration backs the passport. So he's just warning everybody and letting them know, okay? All right, look at this. I wanted to show you this, Brad. This is not even in English. I had to convert it to English. Okay, this is a media and news company. I think they're in Germany, okay? Look what they... No, it's Egypt. Look what they say here. The Egyptian Ministry of Education has approved the establishment of Christianity and Judaism as part of religious education in schools to highlight the common values it shares with Islam. Now, is that a shocker or what? That is part of that one world religion there. Okay. Uh, this is according to the Marshall Project. I don't know about this website, but somebody sent this to me. It says, uh, no, correctional officers are declining the vaccine in mass. Public health experts worry that high refusal rates could undermine efforts to control the pandemic inside and outside of prisons. 
A Florida correctional officer polled his colleagues earlier this year in a private Facebook group. Will you take the vaccine if it's offered? The answer from more than half is uh, no. Only 40 of the 475 respondents said yes. In Massachusetts, more than half the people employed by the Department of Correction declined to be immunized. A statewide survey in California showed that half of all correctional employees will wait to be vaccinated. In Rhode Island, 30% of prison staff have refused the vaccine, a higher rate in the incarcerated, including the state's Department of Corrections. And in Iowa, early polling among employees showed a little more than half of the staff said they would get vaccinated. As states have begun the COVID inoculations at prisons across the country, corrections employees are refusing vaccines at alarming rates, causing some public health experts to worry about the prospect of controlling the pandemic, both inside and outside. Infection rates in prisons are more than three times as high in the general public. Prison staff helped accelerate outbreaks by refusing to wear masks, downplaying people's symptoms, and haphazardly enforcing social distancing and hygiene protocols in confined in confined poorly ventilated spaces ripe for viral spread. The Marshall Project and the Associated Press spoke with correctional officers and union leaders nationwide. Okay, so let's go ahead and move to the next thing. Okay, according to the New York Times, COVID-19, the U.S. officials pledge almost $200 million to track variants as lawmakers push for more. New York legislators moved, this is dated February 28th, moved to strip Governor Andrew Cuomo of pandemic powers. Cuba nears final testing for its first vaccine. Japan begins inoculations with the Olympics on the horizon. I was looking at that logo. As lawmakers push for billions of dollars to fund the nation's efforts to track the coronavirus variants, the Biden administration announced on Wednesday a new effort to ramp up this work, pledging nearly $200 million to better identify the emerging threats. Calling it a down payment, the White House said that the investment would result in significant increase in the number of positive virus samples that labs could sequence. Public health laboratories, universities, and programs run by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention sequenced more than 9,000 genomes last week. All right. Okay, let's move to the next deal. This is according to Eureka Alert, or Eureka Alert, which is Europe. Is the way I look at it. Let's see. A world first, a robot able to hear through the ear of a locust. Tel Aviv University. Look at there. Researchers connect a real locust ear to a robot.
What is that? A technological and biological development that is unprecedented in Israel and the world has been achieved at Tel Aviv University. For the first time, the ear of a dead locust. Oh, I see why it's did that now. Uh-huh, that's right. Now we know why he was clapping, because he tested the ear. Ears electrical signals and responds accordingly. The result is extraordinary. When the researchers clap once, the locust ear hears the sound and the robot moves forward. When the researchers clap twice, the robot moves backwards. The interdisciplinary study was led by Don Fischel, a joint master student under the joint supervision of Dr. Ben M. Mayos of the Ibi and Alador Fleshman Faculty of Engineering and Sogol School of Neuroscience. Professor Yossi Yavel and Professor Amir, experts from the School of Zoology and the Sagal School of Neuroscience together with Dr. Anton and so-and-so-and-so-and-so. The results of the study were published in the prestigious journal Sensors. The researchers explained that at the beginning of the study, they sought to examine how the advantages of biological systems could be integrated into technological systems and how the senses of dead locusts could be used as sensors for a robot. Yeah, transhumanism on a stick. Let me tell you something, Brad. I have covered stories like this where they actually put human parts on the inside of mice. It is horrible what they are doing, where they are merging species, which is going to result into giants and all this other stuff that the Bible talks about in the last days, which probably we already have all these ugly looking creatures right now, but it's because of their uh, mixing all of the stuff like this. Okay, so you can read all this because I will give you the sources later. Okay. Now, this one's from a weird website, but I'm going to have to show you that. It's shtfplan.com. Okay, it says, COVID panic and fear wanes. Now comes Ebola, dated March 27th of 2021. As the COVID-19 panic wanes and people tire of the relentless fear-mongering in the mainstream media, a new scare tactic is being used, but this time it could be serious. Ebola is back, and the United States is officially monitoring at least 86 people for Ebola. Let's check this out. Let's see if this is legit. Active monitor CDC, active monitoring of travelers arriving from Ebola affected. Oh, Lord. Yeah, but that's in 2016. Okay. 2019, 2015, 2017, 2014, 2016. Health officials monitoring dozens in U.S. for Ebola. Where? Washington State is monitoring at least 23 travelers. Another 45 are being watched in Ohio. Columbus Dispatch, okay, Ohio health officials monitoring more than 40 residents for exposure to Ebola in Africa. Huh, so this is legit. March 24th, huh? 
Health officials are monitoring more than 40 Ohioans who may have had exposure to Ebola after returning from remote areas of Africa with active outbreaks. Columbus Public Health is helping to monitor 42 people, while Franklin County Public Health is assisting in monitoring three spokespeople for each department said, keeping an eye on people who have traveled to parts of the world where there are outbreaks of dangerous diseases is commonplace. Okay, so this, I guess this article is legit. So let's see what they're saying here. Never let a good crisis go to waste, or is it another false pandemic disguised as something actually deadly? Or is it real and people are going to be going through a sinister disease? It's hard to say right now. All we know is that Ebola is back in the mainstream media, along with scary news headlines designed to make us all afraid. Either way, people will get on their knees and worship the state in exchange for false safety they will not provide. Wow. However, no disease, illicit fear and panic in countries' population the way Ebola does, says National, I mean Nancy Morgan Hart of Headlines with a Voice. Fear is a powerful means to control and manipulate people. Okay, so let's see what she says here. The Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations has proposed a $3.5 billion plan to reduce or eliminate future pandemic and epidemic risk through preparedness investment over the next five years. SEBI has already secured backing from the governments of Germany, Norway, and Ethiopia. Philanthropies like Welcome and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, Gavi, and UNICEF, among others. The plan is divided into three parts, managing the threat of the current pandemic now, creating an all-in-one inoculation for other crown illnesses, and preparing for future epidemics, which is a six-part effort built on global collaboration. For the purposes of keeping my report as brief as possible, Let's take a look at parts one through three in CEPI's preparation for future pandemics. Part one, optimizing inoculations current and in development to address virus concerns. Part two, creating inoculations for known diseases such as chikungunya and MERS while adding clinical trials for Ebola inoculations. Part three, shrinking inoculation development timelines to 100 days, preparing clinical trial networks to respond to new threats, linking manufacturing facilities, and streamlining regulatory requirements. Keeping in mind CEPI's part three, shrinking inoculation development timelines to 100 days. Consider this, of all known diseases, whether naturally occurring or developed in a government lab, none elicit fear and panic in a country's population the way Ebola does. Fear is a powerful means to control and manipulate people. John Adams wrote, 
quote, fear is the foundation of most governments, close quote. As more and more Americans question the government-approved narrative behind the current pandemic, the powers that be sense that they're losing control over the people that that narrative was designed to subjugate. Enter Ebola. Washington State, March 26th, 2021. Nearly two dozen people are being monitored for the Ebola virus in Washington State after traveling to African countries where infection rates have spiked in recent months, health officials said Friday. The state has placed 23 persons under monitoring for the deadly disease for 21 days after they returned to the U.S. from Guinea and the Democratic Republic of Congo, the state's health department said in a press release. The virus has begun to ravage parts of a prefecture in Guinea, a country where thousands of people succumbed to the virus between 2014 and 2016, along with the North Kivu province in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Ebola, far deadlier than the current virus, took at least 11,300 lives in Guinea, which has a population of 12 million during the 2014 outbreak. The CDC, is now requiring airlines to collect and provide it with contact information for all passengers who were in those two countries. Officials have stressed that residents of Washington state are still at a low risk of contracting the virus. Oregon State, March 25th, 2021. Public health officials in Oregon are monitoring four people that recently visited the West African countries of Guinea and the Democratic Republic of Congo. Regions in each of those countries are currently experiencing outbreaks of Ebola. There is low risk for people in Oregon. The Oregon Health Authority and local public health departments have been in contact with these individuals who are considered persons under monitoring since they arrived in the state earlier in March. The goal of this contact is to determine their risk, if any, of being exposed to Ebola and ensure their safety, as well as the safety of their families and the community. The CDC has issued level three travel warnings for the affected regions in both countries, recommending people avoid non-essential travel. Level three, huh? The state of Ohio, March 25th, 2021. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine announced that 44 Ohio residents are being monitored after possible exposure to Ebola in Africa. In his announcement, DeWine stated, quote, Today in Ohio, health officials are actively monitoring 44 people that have returned from areas of Africa with active outbreaks of Ebola, close quote. The governor didn't say when the group had traveled or when it returned to Ohio, adding that it's currently believed that these individuals that are being monitored are at very low risk of having contracted Ebola. The state of Kentucky, March 25th, 2021. Kentucky Governor Andy Bashir announced that the state is monitoring 15 people that traveled to two countries experiencing an outbreak of Ebola. The governor said 
Well, Brad, I just want to say that uh, this is what I was telling you about. There may be an advance of things that will try to change people's mind. But nothing is going to happen until they get enough of the V. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because they that's the only reason they haven't advanced as far as they have. Okay, let's move on to the next deal. Here is the governor in Florida. DeSantis says no. This is according to Sean Hannity's website. Governor refuses to require vaccine passports for Florida residents. Uh-huh. Now, do y'all believe that's going to pass? Do you believe it? I'm assuming he's a Republican. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis rejected efforts from the Biden administration and some Democrats to require COVID vaccine, vaccine passports for Americans looking to return to some degree of normalcy following the pandemic. Well, then my question to him is, well, then why do you support the agenda? Are you not on President Trump's team? Of which he says he's the king of the vaccine. Why would you not support the passport? They've got to be able to prove they had it right. That is a stage. All right, let's see the next one. This according to Summit News. Two weeks after media predicted catastrophe, Texas sees COVID cases drop to record low. Hospitalizations at their lowest since October following lifting the mask mandate. Now, whether this is true or not, Brad, I cannot vouch for this, but I just wanted to tell you what this website says. More than two weeks after the media predicted catastrophe due to Texas lifting its mask mandate and Joe Biden labeling the move Neanderthal thinking, COVID cases in Texas has dropped to a record low where hospitalizations are at their lowest since October. Oh, and earlier this month, Texas Governor Greg Abbott announced an end to mass mandates and a 100% reopening by the end of March 10th, by the state of March 10th. The announcement was immediately met by a wave of hysteria from leftist politicians, commentaries, and the media, much of which have been compiled in this article of Jeffrey Tucker and it included. Vanity Fair reporting the news under a headline which read, Republican governors celebrate COVID anniversary with bold plan to kill another 500,000 Americans. California Governor Gavin Newsom asserting that the decision was absolutely reckless. Dr. Fauci warning that it was just inexplicable why you would want to pull back now. Brad, I already told you uh, whenever this whole thing started that all of that was a farce. Why would he even open it back up? So this thing about this summit news, I'm not really sure about this. I'm wondering if they are a far right uh, news deal.
Hmm, I'm just scrolling. Huh. Government minister says people should call out others for hugging their loved ones. Well, we know those days are coming, Brad, where they're going to turn in your neighbor because you are breaking their rules. We know these days are coming. A government minister appeared on morning television to urge Brits to call out others if they were seen engaging in an odd way, such as hugging their loved ones. Yes, really. Isn't that something? Okay, let's grow the next thing. Nike. Nike sues the company making Satan shoes for LGBT rapper Little Niss for transmark infringement. Well, what does that look like, Bride? That little picture right there with all the naked people laying together. What does that remind you of? Can I say President Trump and Kanye West? Remember, I did a whole show on that and made a lot of people mad, but I'm like, hey, it's, it's out there. It's public. I'm not showing you anything that's not public. And why President Trump would still allow that naked picture of himself out there, I don't know. And to be in a bed with all these orgies. Remember that? In an orgy picture. How many remember that broadcast? Y'all can look it up on my uh, page and see it. The sportswear corporation Nike is suing MSCHF over Satan shoes made from modified Nike Air Max 97s to honor the dark lord that has been made at the behest of LGBT rapper and degenerate icon Little Nas X. Nike is claiming that MSCHF is committing a trademark infringement by adding a pentagram, human blood, and a Bible verse referencing Satan to their shoe brand and selling them at a markup. They noted that they are already receiving negative, I bet they are, feedback because of the despicable item. What the world? In fact, there's already evidence of significant confusion and dilution occurring on the marketplace, including calls to boycott Nike. Yes. Remember, we talked about that. Yes. In response to the launch of MSCHF's Satan Shoes, based on the mistaken belief that Nike has authorized or approved this product. Well, duh, wouldn't people think that? Yes. We don't have any further details to share on pending legal matters, the company said. Well, good job for Nike for standing up for themselves and telling people they are not a part of that agenda. That's great. Okay, according to the Associated Press, Trump's heir, Pence, reemerges, lays the groundwork for a 2024 run. No, it can't be. Trump may run for president. Washington. Okay, let's see here. When former President Donald Trump was asked to list those he considers the future leaders of the Republican Party, he quickly rattled off names including Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and Senators Josh Halley and Ted Cruz. Conspicuously absent from the list is Mike Pence. 
The former vice president is steadily re-entering public life as he eyes a potential run for the White House in 2024. Now, how many remember when I showed you on the show just a few weeks ago where he was with Paula White at the ecumenical UN false diabolical uh, grossly uh, event of the world peace. Sponsored by the UN, I might say. But Trump's main evangelical woman and Mike Pence was there speaking. Yes, they was. I showed it on the show. He is joining conservative organizations, writing op-eds, delivering speeches, uh-huh, and launching an advocacy group that will focus on promoting the Trump administration's accomplishments. But Trump's neglect in mentioning Pence during a podcast interview earlier this month signals the former vice president's unique challenge for someone who built a reputation as one of Trump's most steadfast supporters. Boy, Trump threw him under the everlasting bus, didn't he? At least that's the way they made it look anyway. For someone who built a reputation as most steadfast supporters, Pence is now viewed with suspicion among many Republicans for observing his constitutional duty in January to facilitate a peaceful transfer of power to the Biden administration, a decision that still has Trump fuming. To prevail in a Republican presidential primary, Pence may have to reinforce his loyalty to Trump while defending his decisions during the final days of the administration when the president falsely alleged widespread voter fraud. Huh. Well, we'll keep our eyes open now. This one's according to American Greatness. And I thought, huh, is this a website by Donald Trump's people? Trump's millions. Trump's Save America PAC has been at odds with the stated purpose from the outset by Pedro Gonzalez, dated March the 28th. Former President Donald Trump continues to rake in huge piles of cash, but very little of that money has gone toward the causes for which donors believe they are giving. At the heart of various fundraising projects are misleading solicitations that appear primarily to target desperate and loyal middle and lower income Trump supporters. Between November 3rd and January 31st, Trump raised more than $255 million from voters on the claim that the money would fuel the legal warfare needed to contest the election results. According to Bloomberg, however, by December 4th, the total spent on overturning the election was just $8.8 million. At the start of 2021, Save America, a leadership pack created after the November election, emerged with $31 million cash on hand. A Federal Election Commission filing shows most of that money, $30.4 million, was transferred from the Trump Make America Great Again Committee. Save America accounts for just a small slice of what Trump and the GOP hold in an array of political committee accounts. Well, let me tell you all this. That Make America Great Again is a different agenda than the America First, which is the Save America campaign. 
The Save America to me is UN agenda on a stick, which I believe Make America Great Again was. But this tells you his agenda is shifting. So he moved his money over to this new uh, agenda. His presidential campaign committee still has $10.7 million in the bank. Campaign reporter Adam Brewster explains, Mr. Trump's joint fundraising committees with the Republican National Committee, Trump Make America Great Again Committee, and Trump Victory have about $63 million cash on hand. Although the former president isn't entitled to all of that money. The fine print in some fundraising emails stated that a donor would have to give over $8,000 before any funds went to an account created to finance election challenges. Wow. $8,000 before any of it would be used. Wow. Including recounts and lawsuits over alleged fraud. As a result, large sums would go to instead to Trump's Save America PAC. Trump supporters were engaged to sign up for recurring donations to protect the results and keep fighting even after Election Day. Trump's leadership pack received 60% of each donation. Wow. While the RNC took the other 40%. What? The RNC gets money off his fundraising and he don't want anything to do with them? How terrible. Until Trump's pack share reached the legal contribution limit of $5,000. Nothing would go to Trump's official recount fund. Okay, let's move forward. All right. COVID. New vaccines needed globally within a year, says scientists. New vaccines? What? Survey of experts in relevant fields concludes that new variants could arise in countries with low vaccine country coverage. The planet could have a year or less before the first generation of COVID vaccines are ineffective. Look at this. Ineffective and modified formulations are needed, according to a survey of epidemiologists, virologists, and infectious disease specialists. Scientists have long stressed that a global vaccination effort is needed to satisfactorily neutralize the threat of COVID-19, This is due to the threat of the variations of the virus. Some more transmissible, deadly, and susceptible vaccines that are emerging and percolating. The grim forecast of a year or less comes from two-thirds of respondents, according to the People's Vaccine Alliance, a coalition of organizations including Amnesty International, Oxfam, and UNAIDS, who carried out the survey of 77 scientists from 28 countries. Nearly one-third of the respondents indicated that the time frame was likely nine months or less. So, this first one is just the first one. Okay, this one is according to RT Magazine. Canada halts AstraZeneca vaccine rollout for people under 55, citing substantial uncertainty amid blood clot concerns. So this is new. This is dated today, March 30th. All right, look at this one. 
Provinces suspend AstraZeneca shots for people under 55 after advice from a national panel. This is according to nationalpost.com. The advisory committee recommended that more information is needed on a possible link between the shot and blood clots. All right, so this is according to cbc.canada. This is Canada News. This is for you, Miss Tinder. Suspend AstraZeneca use for people under 55 vaccine committee recommends. The updated guidelines come following reports of rare blood clots. We are hearing those from all over the world. All right, looking here on Breitbart. Oxford University may scrap sheet music for being complicit in white supremacy. Yes, you heard it. The University of Oxford is considering proposals, this is dated yesterday, that would remove sheet music from its curriculum over woke claims that teaching the Western form of musical notation has roots in colonialism. Oh, thank God I taught you about colonialism, Bride. Remember, remember? That's a word I told you we're going to have to pay attention to because that is Christianity. Colonialism and complicity in white supremacy. In response to widespread Black Lives Matter protesters and riots last year in the United Kingdom, music educators at Oxford University have joined the wider iconoclastic movement, uh, which has been sweeping through British academia. The music department at the prestigious and ancient university has seen calls to remove music notation from the curriculum as professors seek to focus less on white European heritage and culture. Here you go. Colonialist. The white history of the United States of America. Colonialist. The Christianity history which is why it makes me so mad these people trying to strip it because they're saying that it never existed, that it was all Masons. Or the fact that they're trying to say that it was a Judeo-Christian, which means that the Jewish go before the Christians, that it was more there. No, it was a Christian. It was, it no longer is, but it was a Christian nation. All right, so uh, the Oxford academics went on to pronounce that teaching the piano or conducting orchestras could cause students of color great distress. What? What? Are you kidding me? What the world? As the skills involved are closely tied to white European music. If this is not everlasting crazy, this is crazy. They don't want any history of white people. What the world? Professors at the university said the classical music, which is taught at Oxford, which includes Beethoven, Mozart, and Schubert, among others, is too focused on white European music from a slave period. Wow, wow, wow. 
The assertion is somewhat dubious as Western classical music, as well as the practice of sheet music notation, predates the Atlantic slave trade stemming back to musical traditions from the medieval period. Now, I can tell you right now, that's right, silly farce on a stick. That's right, crazy on a stick. Cancel culture, yes. First of all, let me just tell you all this. This is the pre the prelude to the Bible. This is the prelude to them wanting to take the Bible down. I'm telling you, I was interviewing people in Houston, Texas years ago who was already pushing that. And they were, that whole group of them, they was all black. And they were saying people should not read the Bible anymore because they was written by racist people. So you should only listen by the Spirit. And I'm like, uh, no, you have to have the Word to be balanced. You listen to the Spirit and the Word. So anyways, this is deep roots in the country. It is all satanic. All right, let's go to the next deal. Looky here. Sarah Obama, the step-grandmother of former U.S. President, Barack Obama died in Kenya at the age of 99 on Monday. She was the third and youngest wife of Obama's grandfather. Sarah Obama defended the U.S. leader when he was rumored to be Muslim who was born abroad. What do you think Barack Obama can do to honor her memory? Okay, and there is all right. UK is now considering digital face scanning to enter pubs. The vaccine passport is a digital ID card dated yesterday. The UK government is funding companies that are producing technology which will utilize <coughs> digital face scans to check people's vaccination status or allow or block them from entering pubs, stadiums, and other venues. Britons, Britons could have their faces scanned to allow them to access pubs, gigs, and sports events under one government-funded plan being drawn up for vaccine passports. Well, we know those days are coming. That is for sure. All right, look at this. According to interestingengineeringwebsite.com, researchers find a way to harvest electricity from radio waves. The rectina converts energy from electromagnetic waves in the ambient environment to power wearable devices. This is dated March the 26th. Look at there. And look how it picks up from the uh, phone there. Researchers at the Penn State Department of Engineering of Engineering Science and Mechanics have developed a novel way of harvesting energy from radio waves to power wearable devices, according to a press release by the university. We are utilizing the energy that is already surrounds us. Radio waves are everywhere all the time. 
You know, this reminds me of us researching Sunday night about the Tesla poll. How many was on that broadcast of me when we looked? Look at these. And that's what this does is it, it relays the radio waves. Okay, Tesla poll. Yeah, coil. There it is. Tesla coil. Is a electrical resonant transformer circuit. And these are going up everywhere. So now it makes sense, huh? All right, let's see here if I can find the article. All right, here it is. Uh, For example, every time we call someone or when we connect to a website, electromagnetic waves spread out unless they're all blocked by an object. Since in a given second, billions of people are making phone calls, we are bombarded with electromagnetic waves everywhere we go. And these waves, also possessing very little power, can be sources of energy. Okay, this one is according to CNN. Rutgers to require COVID-19 vaccine for students this fall. And this was dated March the 25th. Rutgers University is requiring students attending classes in person this fall to be vaccinated. It is among the first U.S. universities to make such a mandate as schools begin preparing for a return to campus life a year of remote and hybrid learning due to the pandemic. Now, I reported to you that we are receiving reports that they're even making it mandatory in some high schools. One boy said that his school is telling him he cannot come back to school and be a senior unless he gets the vaccine. Now, can you imagine how that is making a senior feel? Okay, let's see. In support of the Rutgers commitment to health and safety for all members of its community, the university will be updating its immunization requirements for students to include the vaccine. Rutgers leadership wrote in a message to the university community on Thursday. Wow. I want you to look at this UCLA speed test 5G map. The interactive UCLA 5G map tracks 5G rollouts in cities across the globe. Updated weekly from verified public sources and UCLA data, you can follow operators' newest 5G networks. So let's see down here in my neck of the woods. 5G, there are multiple 5G deployments. In this area, zoom in for details. Okay, how do you zoom in? Ah, okay, let's zoom in. Oh, here we go, okay. Uh Uh-huh, I've got six around my area, Chattanooga. Look at all this. Wow, way... Uh, red or the pink color is commercially available and the black is fully available and the purple is limited availability. This is my area. 
Look, all up through the interstate. They're all on the interstate right there from Chattanooga. And see, Dalton, all this is going down to Atlanta. See, Gainesville. See, there's a look how many is in Atlanta. Wow. Let's go up and look at Nashville. All right, let's see here. Let's back out and see Nashville. There's St. Louis. Okay, so it's got right there. Wow. I told y'all when I drove through Nashville, there wasn't very many. But it looked like there would be. Wow, look at them through Memphis. I'm not even going to tell you what I just thought there. Look at all them in Memphis. And look at all them in Atlanta. Goodness gracious. So now, I want to see through the south. If y'all know where I'm going with that. Oh, that's down in Mexico. Okay. Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. El Paso, Texas. Right there. Wow. Look at all them around the border there. Uh-huh. Look at all that. Here's Texas. Wow, look at there, all down to the border of Texas. They got them set up all through here where they're coming up through there. Look at Houston. Wow. Looky there. Where is Waco? I see Mobile there. So there's San Antonio. Dallas, look at there. Wow, look at Dallas. Creepy. Look at there, Christy. Look at Dallas. Right there. Leave a link to this so y'all can check this out, okay? Coleman, Alabama. All right, there's the map, and I will pin the message. There you go. All right, let's see. Alabama would be back over here. Tallahassee, Florida. Okay, let's see Florida. Wow, look over there on that side. Miami. Miami. Well, they got 2333. If you zoomed in further, we'd probably see more. Yeah, there you go. Look at there. Just in Miami down there. Wow. There's Tampa, Florida has a lot. Well, these tell you, these are the ones that are already owned, Brad. Already owned. All right, so let's go up here to Alabama. Okay, so here, I want to say this is Alabama. Montgomery, Alabama. Okay, Coleman is up here close to the top. There's Birmingham, so Coleman's around here somewhere. Tuscaloosa. And well, there it is, Coleman. Zilch. Zilch in Coleman. Look e there. Wow, you are blessed. Even in Decatur, 
Decatur. Look at Huntsville has one. Winchester, zilch, bam. Woo! Yes. Thank you, Jesus. I'm right there. Thank you, Lord. Hohenwald. Can you believe that they got one? Can you believe it? Clarksville's got one. Of course, Fort Campbell's got one. Springfield. <laughs> Go, Coleman. <laughs> Jacksonville, Florida. Where is Jacksonville? There's a poor Atlanta. Man, it looks like you're driving through the zombie apocalypse there. All right, let's see here. So we're going to Jacksonville. Where is Jacksonville? Hey, let's see New Orleans while we're over here. <gasps> what? New Orleans is ate up with it. <coughs> Which went right down all through the coast there. Look at there. Terrible. Terrible. There's Jacksonville. You got one little bitty one. There, let's zoom in. Yep, right there. At least it's not a black one. It just means commercial availability. I'm surprised being right there, but boy, Daytona Beach has got them. Definitely Orlando. Okay, well, let's move forward. Nation's first vaccine passport is coming to New York. Already? Okay, March the 26th before the White House even announces it? Huh, you can't make that up. The nation's very first vaccine passport is coming to the Big, Big Apple. This is according to the New York Post. The program dubbed the Excelsior Pass is an app that will allow New Yorkers to prove their vaccination status or recent history of a no negative test in order to gain an entry to events and businesses. Huh, let's check this out. Excelsior Pass. What kind of name is that, Excelsior? What is Excelsior Pass? epass.newyork.gov it's legit it is legit all right let's check this out it's our first one in the country excelsior pass provides secure digital proof of covid vaccine vaccination or negative results print your pass or use the excelsior pass wallet app to store passes on a mobile device for any access anytime Safely visit businesses. Easily present your pass at participating businesses and become part of New York's safe reopening. Businesses will scan your pass with a mobile device or tablet. Get started. To receive your pass, you need to complete some brief information to verify your identity. All right, so let's see what they require. Let's see what they do for business. Oh, they didn't got it public. Okay. Let's go back. 
All right, let's see what they say to get started. The screening website will allow you to confirm a recent negative test result or vaccination status and demonstrate this information to third parties. To facilitate this confirmation, the website collects your COVID-19 status and website used for the sole purpose of your receiving an Excelsior Pass, the essential information from you, which may include questions such as first name, last name, date of birth, zip code, vaccination location, or test location, vaccination type, or COVID test type and vaccination date and test date. Based on the information, the application queries the state-hosted database through an interface and returns you and active or inactive pass. Your completion of the screening website results in the disclosure. I wonder if they take your picture or get you on camera. Uh, Constitute your consent to collection and disclosure of such information by New York State for the purposes of providing your test results or vaccination status, follow-up communications contact tracing or similar services. Uh, The application may be hosted by third parties working with New York State. Certain information you provide to or that is collected by the application may be shared with these third parties. These third parties shall limit their use of the information solely to the purposes described with access only to the results provided and not to the underlying data. The information you provide will be retained by New York State only for the purposes described herein. So this may be a test run, huh? The information you provide may also be subject to any applicable privacy and security laws, such as New York State's Internet Security and Privacy Act, Freedom of Information Law and Personal Privacy Protection Law. New York State may disclose personal information without applicant consent if the collection or disclosure is, number one, necessary to perform the statutory duties of New York State or necessary for the New York State to operate a program authorized by law or authorized by state and federal statute or regulation made pursuant to court order or by law for the purpose of validating the identity of the applicant or information to be used solely for statistical purposes that is in form that cannot be used to identify any particular person. Information collected from you is not subject to disclose for purpose other than those outlined above without your consent or unless required by law. All right, so. Compiles data provided by multiple third-party sources, including state and local public sources, federal public health authorities, such as the Center for Disease Control, published scientific literature, and other public sources. Other public sources. These sources update and report data on various regular and irregular schedules, so from time to time there may be discrepancies between data reported here and data reported by individual sources is provided as is with no warranties provided to you by the New York State or third-party parties. By using this website, you are consenting to disclose the information you have provided consent with the protections described above and solely for the purposes listed above. And then they have a privacy partner. Wow, so we've already got one. I bet that's going to be the test one. 
All right. Well, Brian, this is it. That's it for the news today. Uh, let's see here. I do want to, this will be my last news broadcast, Brian. We are the Brian Television. This will be my last one for about a week or so because we have the conference this week and I've got to focus and I will do another announcement broadcast uh, where we will talk about uh, if you would like to, uh, you know, um, live stream, there will be a purchase you'll have to make in order to live stream in. We will let you know about that. The ones that will be free are, uh, the service that we will have on Sunday will be free. And then I don't know about the Q&A with uh, Stephen Yana Saturday morning yet. So I will come back and let you know how you can uh, go ahead and sign up for the conference there. If you cannot make it, there will be a way for you to be able to uh, link in. All right, Bride. So I will talk to you later and y'all have a wonderful day. And I tell you what. Uh, when I come back to you in a week, it is no telling what's going to happen in this country by that time. <laughs> there is so much news, Brad, that happens between here and there, I tell you. But the Lord is gracious. And uh, Brock is going to do the Bible study tomorrow and Thursday. But after that, we will not have a Bible study for a week as we will be having both conferences. We're having two conferences in one week. So after that's over, then we will be back. But imagine the news we will have to tell you when we get done with this. So I will see you in a little while, Brian. God bless. Author and White House correspondent Dr. June Knight has published 10 books. As she traveled the country in obedience to God's serving ministries, her books are about the Bride of Christ. Preparing the church for the end of days, persecution, purity, and spiritual warfare. She even wrote a book revealing the pain and struggles of her own life called Testimony of a Broken Bride, Jesus is the True Husband. Her books hope to help families make right decisions in the coming days about the mark of the beast and to choose Jesus over the beast system. Released four books this year about current day situations such as judgment, technology, tribulation, days, and more. These four books released in April of 2020 after she left the White House and exposes what she knows about President Trump and the Antichrist agenda. These books reveal apostasy plus idolatry equals judgment and it's for the harvest. Dr. June reveals the great divide in the church in this hour due to the great deception. Explains what is the ecumenical movement, new apostolic reformation, and false religions. Exposes the one world religion agenda. Dr. Hume exposes the new world order and satanic agenda. This book exposes the lie of the new apostolic reformation evangelicals who have surrounded the president and is partnering with the beast system. This book chronicles 40 days of repentance and casting down 40 idols in our nation and church. This book reveals the biblical pattern of judgment and the current judgment. What is the pattern of God's judgment? Why does he judge? What is my role in this? This book discusses now that we know apostasy plus idolatry equals judgment. Where do we go from here? 
How do we prepare? What do we look for? What about technology? The human implantation chip, etc. So purchase the American pot books today before they shut them down. Be alert. Be informed. Be equipped for the war ahead. Or go to www.gotreehouse.org and purchase all 10 of Dr. Jews' books today on sale. If you are interested in writing a book, please go to treehousepublishers.com.